0: and welcome to that time when the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that have happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, your podcast host for today, and with me is Barnaby King.
1: Hello there.
0: Hello. Now, last time we spoke, Barnaby, we talked about Ned Kelly.
1: Well, we we've spoken since then. <laughs> you and I don't just live in this house together in silence until we podcast, but I know what you mean, yes.
0: Don't we? Don't we? No, we don't. Anyway, <laughs> last time we talked about Ned Kelly and we ended it with the Fitzpatrick incident.
1: Oh, God, yes. <laughs> God, you know, I was... <laughs> I, I know that, you know... Sometimes we play up our reactions a bit to on this podcast, but part of me was, you know, genuinely a bit like, "Oh my god, why are there so many versions of this event?" <laughs> and I had the exact same experience when I was editing it as I'm well. So sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it's 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 the history. Yeah, history can be frustrating if you know we don't have a definitive answer, and we kind of rarely do.
0: Mm. And in this case, we have all of the non-definitive answers, which yeah. is great. Um, so this was the point where ned kelly may or may not have shot a policeman yes fitzpatrick and after this who
1: may or may not have had a second brandy and lemonade he we might don't know. have
0: done we don't know he <laughs> might have even had a third given that he might have been drunk but he might not
1: yeah <laughs> either that or it was a brandy and lemonade easy on the lemonade heavy on the brandy could
0: be maybe it's just a brandy and a slice of lemon, but the brandy is a whole tumbler. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's what we should have had to drink today.
1: <laughs> we don't have any brandy.
0: That's fair. Or any lemonade. We've got seven up. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, after this incident, Ned and Dan Kelly went into hiding. hmm Along with some others of the Greta mob, who were Steve Hart and Joe Byron. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, by the way. This is B Y R N E. Do you think that's Burn? Bar- that's Burn. Okay. I mean,
1: it, it is in Irish, like Ed Burn, the comedian. I
0: reckon this is an Irish Joe Burn. So Byrne.
1: I, I would go with Burn.
0: Okay, Joe Burn. Burn. No, that's gone Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I know it
1: has, but it's just such a fun word to say like that. It is. Rabbi Burns.
0: So basically, they were in hiding. They weren't committing any crimes necessarily at this point right you know aside from the regular ones that people apparently had to do to get by yeah Uh, they were sluicing for gold and they were also distilling whiskey which must have been illegal
1: yeah probably
0: but you know they're not doing their big crimes they're not stealing any horses which was the main thing last time
1: i think now you have to get like a distillation license so i can't imagine that it was you know just something you could do back then either Especially considering how frequently stills used to explode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that Ellen Kelly sold liquor illegally. Yes, that's but true. we don't know what that means. So who yeah. knows, who knows? <laughs> so this all brings us to a new episode in Ned's life. His right. his life is so episodic, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, this one we can title Stringy Bark Creek. Okay. Okay, and this is where Ned starts to become more controversial for people. Right. Because, like I said in my last episode, and like so for some people he's like a really big outlaw hero, like a Robin Hood of Australia. Yeah. And then for some people he's a horrible murdering bastard who shouldn't be given the time of day. Right, yeah. I think the truth probably falls in between those two things. I mean, but it usually does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have Ned's actual account of what happened in the Stringybark Creek incident. Right. Okay. Um because he wrote a manifesto. Ah. Um, which is called the Gerald Derry letter because okay. he delivered it in Gerald Derry, which we'll get to later. Right.
1: So, he was literate. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm, is interesting, right? Yeah. I was just saying like cuz last time we talked about him getting his sash and I sort of made a joke about him getting an education because I think that's what happens in the film.
0: In the film, they... The
1: dreadful film. They song. go, oh,
0: you're not giving us an education, you bastard English, we hate you. Like, right, yeah. Effectively.
1: Yeah, so that is interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it is, isn't it? And like, given that I think he was more or less in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, yeah. he could read and write. Okay. And he was actually a keen reader, which we will find out about later as oh, well. Oh,
1: right, cool. Mm.
0: So he says, I was not there long... Referring to, um, I think it's called the Wombat Range or something, like the place where they were staying.
1: I love wombats. They're very cute. They're so cute. They poop cubes. They do poop cubes. And then they run along the ground. It's all cute.
0: Yes. So he said, I was not there long, and on the 25th of October, I came upon police tracks between Tabletop and the bogs."
1: (laughs) I found police tracks, also police scats. They've come this way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's a den full of them. We'll set a trap outside. We'll have one for dinner.
0: I crossed them, and returning in the evening, I came on a lot of different tracks making for the shingle hut. I went to our camp and told my brother and his two mates, and my brother went and found their camp at the shingle hut about a mile from my brother's house. Saw so they carried long firearms, and we knew our, knew our doom was sealed if we could not beat those before the others would come, as I knew the other party of police would soon join them.
1: But they also had police cubs, so we decided to leave them alone. <laughs>
0: And if they came on us at our camp, they would shoot us down like dogs at our work, as we had only two guns. Right. We thought it best to try and bail those up, take their firearms and munitions and horses, and we could stand a chance with the rest.
1: Yep, makes sense.
0: Makes sense. We approached the spring as close as we could get to the camp. As the intervening space being clear ground and no battery, we saw two men at the logs. They got up, and one took a double-barrelled fowling piece and fetched a horse down and hobbled him at the tent, and we thought there were more men in the tent asleep, those being on sentry. We could have shot those two men without speaking, but not wishing to take their lives, we waited. Hmm. McIntyre, this being one of the men who was waiting for them, like one of the police, laid the gun against a stump, and Lonergan, another of the policemen, sat on the log. I advanced, my brother Dan keeping McIntyre covered, Which he took to be Constable Flood, which was somebody who had turned up earlier. Right. And had he not obeyed my orders or attempted to reach for the gun or draw his revolver, he would have been shot dead. But when I called on them to throw up their hands, McIntyre obeyed. Ah. And Lonergan ran some six or seven yards to a battery of logs instead of dropping behind the one he was sitting on. He had just got the logs and put his hand up to take aim. When I shot him that instant, or he would have shot me, as I took him to be Strachan, the man who he said would he would not ask me to sand. He would shoot me first like a dog.
1: Oh, right. Strachan's a person. Yeah. Right. Okay.
0: So Strachan's another one of the policemen. Wow.
1: He knows all these police officers. He knows a lot
0: of police officers <laughs> at this point. Like, he's been arrested by everyone. I mean,
1: yeah, that's true. So...
0: He thought that this would be Strachan who had said that he would not get a chance to stand and shoot. He would have been shot instantly. Yeah. But it was actually (laughs) Lonergan.
1: Oh, oh, what a hilarious mix up.
0: Not really, because he's now dead. Yeah. Yeah. it's a, he says, but it happened to be Lonergan, the man who, in company with Sergeant Whelan Fitzpatrick and King, the bootmaker and Constable O'Day, that tried to put a pair of handcuffs on me in Benala, but could not and had to allow McKins the miller to put them on. Previous to Fitzpatrick's swearing, he was shot. I was fined two pounds for not allowing five curs like Sergeant Whelan, O'Day, Fitzpatrick King and Lonergan, and would have sent me to Kingdom Come. So this is a little bit garbled, but I think basically he's saying, like, he has had... Like, he had met Lonergan before, right? who had tried to arrest him, along with a bunch of other people, including right. Fitzpatrick.
1: Okay, because I, I have to say, I was a bit confused at that last bit, and I wondered if it was just my it's, mind had briefly wandered no, or something. No, it's but... not.
0: It's Kelly's style of writing, right. because although he was literate, um, his grammar is not very good. Well, I mean... <laughs> which is, you know, understandable. Yeah, I can't imagine enough. that he got full... Full education no. all the way through to sixteen or something.
1: No, I mean considering the fact that I was surprised that he was literate at all. Yeah, like he's I, doing well. I can't then critique his grammar. He's
0: got some <laughs> really interesting phrases he uses that I'm going to tell you about later okay. on. Okay, um, and like he's got a really interesting turn of phrase, but he's basically trying to catch you up with I met this, I knew who this person was right, because of this yeah. thing that had happened earlier on.
1: Yeah, because I was confused when you said like about being fined two pounds. I was like, were you? fine two pounds while you were shooting police officers no no no, no.
0: this is like for a while back
1: (laughs) right yeah that makes sense so uh, just imagine like stop 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 right before we go any further yep kelly kelly i'm gonna have to issue you with a fine (laughs) right bizarre (laughs) we'll go back to our shootout afterwards but i just need to give you this ticket
0: (laughs) yeah that's how it went right like you'd you'd call you'd call points yeah Yeah.
1: Your horse is parked illegally. (laughs) need to fine you for that, and then we'll get back to the shooting.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so this was basically the big deal. So they'd come upon this police camp, they'd drawn their guns, and they shot three of the police who were in this little group. I think there were four policemen overall, so they shot three out of four of them. Oh, damn. I know. Uh, The one who survived was McIntyre. Now, his version of events is quite different. Right. Um, he says, he claims that he had made it clear to Kelly that the intention was to arrest them and not to kill them.
1: Right. But Kelly's
0: convinced the whole way through that they were planning to kill them, which is why they came in, like, all guns blazing.
1: Yeah. Well, McIntyre did come down to the ring with a chair and his sword. <laughs> so, I mean... It, That's it's-
0: only going to make sense for WWE <laughs> followers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know, but the thing is, I've had that in my head since he first said McIntyre. I'm just imagining being Drew McIntyre from WWE. So. Fair.
0: I don't. I don't think we're talking about that style of McIntyre. I no. think this is like this is an Irish McIntyre, not a Scots McIntyre. Uh, fair thing. enough. I think probably.
1: Fair enough. Okay. So you're you're saying that he's not a very tall, beautiful Scottish man. I don't think
0: so. <laughs> So McIntyre also claimed that the Kelly gang had confronted the police with their weapons drawn and not given them the realistic chance to surrender.
1: Right, yeah.
0: So this is kind of it for the Kelly gang, basically. Like, before the police were after them, but they would probably have got arrested and sentenced to hard labor and then gone round round and round in their little criminal circle.
1: But now you outlaw
0: AF. They were. Literally, because three days later, on the 28th of October, the government offered a reward of £800 for the arrest of the Kelly gang, so £200 each. Yeah. And that soon increased to £2,000 for the whole gang. And then on the 31st of October, the Victorian Parliament passed the Felons Apprehension Act.
1: Right. Which
0: proclaimed that both of the Kellys were outlawed. Ah,
1: okay. Okay
0: and this meant that they could be killed without being challenged by anyone
1: who yeah. found them
0: armed or who had a reasonable suspicion that they were armed
1: yeah i feel like uh, our listeners might not know exactly what outlawing is because yeah. it, it's a term that i think gets thrown around a lot but does have a very specific meaning it does and, i mean it goes back quite a long way like obviously i i know a lot about it from the vikings who were very keen on outlawry mm. um but basically, it is what it says. You are outside the protection of the law. Yeah. And that so, means you can be killed. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is a specific thing, but we, I think we kind of generally think of it as like bandits, cowboys, yeah, cowboys, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it does mean a specific thing. And in this case, like, it is significant. Like, you have lost any rights under the law.
0: Yeah. Which is like a really big deal. And yeah. it can only really happen in these kinds of societies where there's a big expanse of yeah. wilderness, really. Yeah. So like the Australian bush makes sense. You end up with bush rangers yep. who can go and hide out because you couldn't be an outlaw in today's England, for instance. No. There'd just be no way to do it. Well,
1: there's too much CCTV for yeah, one exactly. thing. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Australia or even just places that have open wilderness like Iceland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that was penalised was anyone who gave them any aid or shelter or sustenance.
1: Yep, also common for
0: outlaws. Or withheld information or gave false information about them to the police. Yeah. And their helpers could get up to 15 years hard labour.
1: Whoa! Right? That's, yeah, I mean... That's tough. Yeah, I guess once you've gone to the level of outlawing someone, then you're kind of, you're, you're not messing about.
0: No. And despite all of this, despite the fact that people knew they could get up to 15 years hard labor for associating with them, the gang managed to evade the police for 2 years.
1: Oh damn.
0: Right? Yeah. Like that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that is pretty impressive. Like and this is not an easy place to just, you know, live off the land really. No. No. Like expect- if you're just four people. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's like they had to re- they had to rely a lot on supporters. Yeah. Who were risking an awful lot in supporting them. Yeah. But the thing is that I think for specific groups of people, the police were so unpopular that it made sense to support the Kelly gang instead.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And also for reasons which will become apparent.
1: Ooh, Mm. tantalizing.
0: So, they realized they needed some money. Yep. And so they plan to rob a bank in a town called
1: Euroa. I mean, classic outlaw work.
0: I know, but I love that we're like, okay... Previous chapter, horse theft. Yeah. This chapter, bank robbery. Excellent. And we're not going back to horse theft, by the way. We're <laughs> full on bank robbers now.
1: <laughs> oh, we cannot possibly go back to horse thievery. We've tasted the life of the bank robber. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> And this is because it turns out that the Kelly gang were really, really good at robbing banks.
1: Oh, excellent. Because they they were were kind of middling about horse theft. Yeah, they
0: weren't that great. I mean, (laughs) they managed to steal a lot of horses, apparently.
1: That is true, I suppose. But they did also seem to get arrested a lot for it.
0: I think it's easy to get arrested for horse theft. Yeah. So.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Kelly received a stolen horse and got arrested (laughs) for horse theft.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: he didn't I, even know it was stolen. <laughs>
0: I genuinely think that's an example of maybe Ned Kelly
1: is right, and yeah. the government has it out for him. I mean, quite possibly. I uh, it would make sense to me that it's this sort of vicious cycle of this person is a bit troublesome, so mm. we're going to try and deal with them. But because you're trying to deal with them, it just puts them in a harder position, which means that they have to, you know, repeat that cycle of crime and then you imprison them. And it just just comes worse and worse. Yeah.
0: And in prison, they meet all these people.
1: Yeah. Just like Jack Shepard and uh, (laughs) Jonathan Wilde.
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. So. It's
1: almost like the traditional way of looking at prisons is... Not good.
0: (laughs) Stop being so woke. I know, right? So, basically, they'd scouted this town and they'd realised that there was going to be a funeral and there was going to be a sitting of the licensing court on the Tuesday afternoon that many of the town would be attending. Yeah. Which is perfect distraction for when you
1: want to rob a bank. Absolutely. There's going to be like eight people there, which makes up most of the town.
0: I mean, I think this is one of those towns that's got 100-odd people in it. Yeah. So, at 12.30 p.m., On Monday, the 9th of December, the Kelly gang held up the Young Husband Pastoral Substation at Faithful's Creek. (laughs) I know. The Young Husband. The Young Husband. It's Young Husband is one word. Oh, okay. Pastoral Substation. (laughs) Wow. At Faithful's Creek, which was three and a half miles from Euroa.
1: Okay, brilliant.
0: They took the employees and passers-by hostage... Uh, the
1: passers-by as well. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> They're not messing around.
0: And they held them overnight. They held the male, the male employees and passers-by overnight in a brick outbuilding. Okay. And then they held female hostages in the homestead. Which, I love that that's so... It's very gentlemanly.
1: Yeah, it's very quaint. It's very
0: quaint. The ladies get to have the house. Yeah. And the men get to be in the brick-out building.
1: And also, we're keeping them separate just yeah. to make sure no hanky-panky goes on. We can't on. allow
0: shenanigans. <laughs> um, one of the hostages was a passing hawker, as in somebody who sells stuff. <laughs> I,
1: thought, I thought for a moment you were going to say a passing horse. No, no, no.
0: This was a passing hawker. Who supplied the four members of the Kelly gang with new respectable clothes.
1: Oh, nice.
0: (laughs) It's probable that a number of the hostages, including this hawker, were actually sympathisers. Yeah. Who had known about the raid beforehand and had turned up on purpose to become hostages. Oh my God,
1: it's Ned Kelly. Can I get your (laughs) autograph? I'm such a big fan. (laughs) This you know is- i came to work specifically to see you i
0: mean this is like a feature of their bank robberies by yeah. the way is that they they plant hostages on purpose
1: oh right which is
0: really clever that because clever. they they keep the other hostages yeah. calm and all of that kind of thing
1: No, that's a super good idea it's a
0: really good idea so the following day um dan guarded the hostages while ned burn and hart rode out and they wrecked the telegraph wires which connected Uroa to the outside world yeah and after that they encountered a hunting a hunting party and some railway workers so they they held them up and they took them back <laughs> as hostages so they got even more hostages now
1: <laughs> this baby can hold so many hostages
0: <laughs> just after 4 p.m. um Three of the gang members, leaving Byrne to guard the prisoners, knocked at the doors of the National Bank at Euroa, and -hmm. they gained entry. They drew their revolvers, held up the bank and the bank manager's living quarters in the building. They emptied the safes and cashier's drawers of cash and gold worth £2,260.
1: And the bank teller was like, Oh my God, Ned Kelly. Oh my God,
0: Ned Kelly. Oh,
1: I'm so glad I came into work today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... At this point, um, they went back to Faithful's Creek, they performed some trick riding for the hostages, just like a little show.
1: <laughs> just a little bit of entertainment. Yeah. oh, They had
0: 37 hostages by this point. <laughs> <laughs> and then they left, and they warned the captives that they should stay where they are, were for three hours, or there would be reprisals.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: So, the thing was that this was a very efficient raid. It worked out really nicely. Yeah. And the newspapers commented on how good this raid was, like how efficient it was. Yeah, top class, A-plus effort. Compared with the inefficiency of the police, who had failed to capture the gang, it had now been six weeks since the Stringybark police killings.
1: Right.
0: And also several hostages said to the to the papers that the gang had behaved courteously and without violence during the raid.
1: I got to take a selfie with Ned.
0: <laughs> Although apparently on several occasions they had become enraged and had cocked their revolvers and pointed them at hostages threatening to shoot them.
1: And then they fired and it just was one of those fake guns that shoots out the word <laughs> bang. It's like, oh, just a bit of lighthearted fun.
0: I think basically they were pretty threatening if you put up any resistance, but if yeah. not, then they were like, quite chill.
1: I mean, it makes sense. It, it's one of those situations where it's like, really, you're, they're, they're not there to kill people. No. Like, you are so far down their list of, you know, problems. priorities. Yeah, yeah, priorities. That's the word I was looking for. And
0: so, you don't want to put
1: yourself higher on that list. You do
0: not. So I think that the police got a little bit angry at this whole situation. Makes sense. Understandably. So they decided in January, so the next month, that it was time to go after Kelly sympathizers.
1: Right, They arrested
0: 30 men. Oof. And they remanded 23 of these. Right. So many of the 23 men who were remanded were released within seven weeks because there was a lack of evidence. Right. But there was like a core of nine prisoners where they were certain they had something to do with the Kelly gang. Right. And they just kept renewing their remand every single week for three months. Whoa,
1: bloody hell.
0: Right? And that was like that was definitely part of a turning tide against the police. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, that's not going to make them popular.
0: No, it didn't necessarily turn people toward the Kelly gang, Mm. but it definitely meant that they weren't happy with the way that police were handling this matter at all.
1: Yeah, I think, like, you're you're not going to create people who are going to, you know, keep the Kelly gang safe and supplied and everything, but you're also not going to create people who will know, you know, tell you information about where the Kelly gang have gone.
0: Like you're not going to encourage people who are like, I think that, like, I'm friends with the Kellys. Yeah. I don't really know anything about what's going on, but I think they're acting suspiciously. Yeah. They're not going to do anything at this point. No. No. Um, so, meanwhile, the Kelly gang were managing to shore up their group of sympathizers, because okay. what they did with this 2,000-odd-pounds from the bank, was to distribute it among their friends and their family and their supporters. Right. So anyone who had supported them has now benefited from the fact yeah. they support them,
1: which yeah. is a really good idea. I mean, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I know we, we, we've talked a lot about sort of this question of whether or not they were, you know, outlaw folk heroes or just kind of, you know, criminals and bandits and that. Mm. And... I think this is one of those things you could actually look at it either way because it is a sensible investment, really.
0: Yeah. No, it is. And um, The thing is that apparently Ned Kelly was like really aware of the idea of an outlaw hero, and yeah. he is trying to shape himself into one of these at this point. Yeah, it makes sense. So doing things like robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, yeah. like, absolutely. Granted, oh. he's not giving to all the poor. He's giving to the <laughs> poor people who are helping him out, but... It helps. It helps.
1: <laughs> He's not quite Robin Hood, but he is Rob Who.
0: Quite. <laughs> so this is when a second incident happens where they decide to rob a bank. Excellent! Hooray! This was at Gerald Derry. This was a town of 500 residents. Oh my God! I that's know, practically huge. the city of London. And it was over the border in New South Wales. Right. So a number of sympathisers moved into Gerald Derry. In the town before, in the days before the raid, because they wanted to help provide information and undercover support for the gang. Excellent. Which just goes to show the fact that he was very popular among like very specific people. Yeah. Um. Now. In this raid, which happened in February of 1879, the gang basically did the same things that they'd done in their previous bank robbery. That makes sense. It makes sense. Although this time they dressed as police.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And they also forced local policemen to accompany them because there were only like two in the town (laughs) at the time. (laughs)
1: Wow, okay.
0: And they left their families as hostages, which again, makes sense. Um, And once again, they took hostages in a hotel, they robbed the bank. Yeah. Um, This time they took £2,141 in cash, as well as jewellery and other valuables. And Kelly also took deeds, mortgages and securities from the safe. And then what he did with the deeds and mortgages and securities was to burn them.
1: Oh! That's cool.
0: Because, as he said, the bloody banks are crushing the lifeblood out of poor, struggling
1: man. That's cool. Do we, like... How certain is it that that happened?
0: It seems to be reasonably certain that this is actually what he did.
1: That's pretty cool then. Yeah.
0: Like, it's very cool and it's very living into that outlaw thing and being like, it's the banks and the English and yeah, yeah, 100%. I Um,
1: mean, usually is, am I right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) As an English banker, yes. (laughs) So, um, at this point, the whole town was still kept hostage, but Ned Kelly had heard about a locally famous racehorse. Okay. And he wanted to go have a look at it. Yeah. So he had a little detour, um, and then he returned to the Royal Mail Hotel, where he delivered a speech to the hostages, where he outlined his grievances against the police and the justice system. <laughs>
1: Was he inspired by this horse or something? No, he'd, ro- he'd stolen this horse. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I had misunderstood. Well, this is I thought thing. it was like a sightseeing trip.
0: <laughs> in In the Wikipedia article, it says he went to appraise a locally famous horse, but then right. later on it makes it clear that he's stolen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: <laughs> um, so, at this point, he told the hostages that they were free to go but he took the he took a few post office workers who knew how to operate the telegraph with him to the police barracks right and at the barracks um they secured the two policemen and the two po- uh, post office employees in the lockup and proceeded to leave like basically they didn't want
1: anyone telegraphing out oh okay yeah that makes sense yeah
0: um so then dan kelly and Byrne rode out, but Kelly and Hart rode back into town and Kelly stayed for a short while drinking at the Albion Travellers Rest Hotel um, with some of the strangers who had recently entered town and were soon to leave. While he was there, a lo- the local parson, one John Gribble, I know, <laughs> good name, persuaded Kelly that he should leave the racehorse that he had taken <laughs> because it belonged to a young lady. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> So he did steal the horse. He did steal the horse.
0: (laughs) But then he left the horse because he found out it belonged to a young lady. And he's all chivalrous, right? Because Ah, he's a proper local outlaw. You know, he's a bandit hero.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love the idea that it's like in his head. It's just like, I do have to play into this image I've created of myself. But that is a damn fine horse. (laughs) I didn't even know I was coming here to get a horse. But, you know, my old one... Like, like Look, she's been can, around for a while. Her <laughs> MOT's up soon.
0: You can take the bush ranger out of horse thieving, but you can't take the horse thief out of the bush ranger. You know what I mean? Anyway, so he left it. When Kelly and Hart left Gerald Erie, they weren't seen by the police again for 17 months. That was the last time they were seen. Oh, wow. I think Dan and Byrne were seen later, but these yeah. two members n- never again, not for 17 months. Bloody hell. I know. While he was at Gerald Erie... Kelly attempted to publish his manifesto. Oh, ah, cool. Um, he gave it to a local bank accountant. Don't ask me why. He's <laughs> like, what do I do with this? <laughs> Take
1: it to a publisher.
0: <laughs> well, he asked him to give it to the editor of the Gerald and Urana Gazette, which I think this guy did. Right. But only excerpts were allowed to be published because the government didn't
1: want the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that getting, makes getting sense. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's heavily redacted to the point where it says, <laughs> I, Ned Kelly, am bad man. <laughs>
0: Quite. <laughs> So I think this letter is part of the reason why Kelly is considered almost inspirational. Okay. So he writes a lot in this letter about the injustices that he and his family faced against the squatocracy and yep. the police. Makes sense. And he also writes what's described as like a mythologized ideal of Irish of a history of Irish rebellion against the English upper class.
1: Right, okay.
0: Right, so he's got this vision of, like, it's part of my heritage to rebel. Um, Especially
1: against those English bastards.
0: Exactly, which I think is the reason why in 2001, I think it was, he was included on one of the Irish stamps.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Which is incredible.
0: (laughs) So he describes the police in his letter... As a parcel of big, ugly, fat-necked, wombat-headed, big-bellied, magpie-legged, narrow-hipped, splore-footed sons of Irish bailiffs or English landlords. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: Which, isn't that just the best way to describe someone That's ever? That's so
1: good. Excellent. Like, it's not witty. No. But it is cutting. <laughs> it's a lot
0: of insults in one in yeah. one line, and I'm
1: here for it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'd love to call people a parcel of big, ugly, fat necked, one headed <laughs> big-bellied, magpie-legged, narrow hips, splore-footed people. <laughs> now, the ending to the letter is very cool. Okay. And does get reference, I believe, in the Ned Kelly film that we watched. Mm. He ends it. Neglect this and abide by the consequences, which shall be worse than the rust in the wheat of Victoria or the druth of a dry season to the grasshoppers in New South Wales. I do not wish to give the order full force without giving timely warning but I am a widow's son outlawed and my orders must be obeyed
1: oh that is cool even if I didn't fully understand all of it no I didn't either (laughs)
0: but like the I am a widow's son outlawed and my orders must be obeyed is like like one of those lines that apparently like anyone who knows about Ned Kelly knows that line it's it's like it's very cool it doesn't make any sense no
1: but it is it does sound cool
0: yeah So, in response to this latest raid, the New South Wales government, as well as some of its banks, offered a reward for the Kelly Gang's capture of £4,000. Oh,
1: bloody hell. And then the Victorian government matched it. Whoa. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. you, do you think you could hand them in and get both rewards, or would one government go, no, no, you got the reward?
0: No, you'd get both rewards. You'd get both rewards. you get both rewards. Oh, damn, that so, is a hell of yeah, a reward. So, yeah, you get £8,000.
1: I know. Any idea what that would be in today's monies? Not a clue. Fair enough. We're
0: 100 years after Mr. Darcy. Right. Um, Which was, what was that?
1: That was 10000 a, 10, a year. 10000
0: a year. So, I'd say that's a hefty song. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, sounds like sure. it. That's for sure. Especially imagine if it was one of their sympathizers. Mm. Of the that could be really good. All right. And then we come to our final episode. Okay. Which I have titled Aaron Sherritt and the End. Oh. I know.
1: It's kind of sad now.
0: I know. I'm sorry. Because like, this has been a rollicking story, to be honest. It has.
1: I'm waiting for him to succeed, and then he takes over Australia and... <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> forces the English out. And... <laughs> well,
0: the police were keeping an eye on the families of the, of the Kelly gang, which yep, made sense. Absolutely. And one way that they did this was that they used the house of Byrne's mother's neighbour, who was Aaron Sherritt. Right. Now, this was particularly fraught because he had once been a member of the Greta mob the original gang oh yeah 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 do you want to see a picture of him done up like a greta mob member sure it's hilarious
1: okay (laughs) what the (laughs) why does he have what (laughs) why does he have like the um the band of his hat under his nose that was
0: the fashion in the greta mob apparently (laughs) (laughs) it tickles me to no end also the heel is um like the the way that he has his like tall heel is part of the outfit as well you've got to have that
1: i'm sorry i was mostly taken by the hat yes
0: the hat is hilarious (laughs) because i i don't know we've previously i've previously shown you a picture of dan kelly who's got his hat on like nearly next to his head instead of being on it
1: he's very jaunty it's
0: very jaunty whereas this one he's wearing the hat band directly under his nose and it's Wonderful, but apparently that's how that 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 was their style that they'd made up, so no, that
1: was the style at the time. We can't
0: say that he's not a classic.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought when you first showed me, I thought he had some ridiculous moustache that just went diagonally <laughs> up either side.
0: Mm, alas, no. Okay, so. The fact that this guy was letting the police stay at his house made Burns' mum absolutely furious yeah, well you would yeah and she outed him as a police spy
1: oh
0: and the gang basically warned him to stop his relationship with the police yeah or someone was gonna murder him
1: oh damn
0: and the thing is he kept up this this relationship with the police allowing them to use his house from march 18, ni- 1879 to june 1880 okay so for more than a year yeah at which point, the Kelly gang decided it was time to murder him themselves. Okay.
1: Uh, we've got to make good on our threat. Yeah. Uh.
0: <laughs> so, on the 26th of June, 1880, Dan and Byrne rode into the Woolshed Valley where Byrne's mum lived. Mm-hmm. They kidnapped a man called Anton Wick, who lived near to Aaron Sherrett right. and forced him to come with them to Sherratt's hut,
1: <laughs> was this just for shits and giggles?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a reason. Okay, so the hut was occupied by Sherrod, his pregnant wife Ellen, Oof. Um, Ellen's mother Mrs. Barry, right, and four policemen. Right. So this is
1: not going to be a good look this- for the Kelly gang. No,
0: it's really not. So Dan went to the front door of the hut and Byrne forced Wick to knock on the back door and call out for Sherritt. Right. That's why we need Wick. okay. When Sherritt answered the door, Byrne shot him in the throat and chest with a shotgun, killing him. Bloody hell. Right? This is like... This feels like a departure to me. Yeah, because before they've kind of set, they can say like our lives were in immediate danger. Yeah,
1: this is this th- is not that. No, this is very much setting out to murder people. Yeah, this
0: is like some kind of revenge. Yeah, which I I, mean, I don't very- like this, Ned Kelly. No, I don't want you to be like this. It is very
1: mafia of them, though. It
0: is mafia of them. So, Burn then entered the hut. And Dan was let in while the four policemen hid in the bedroom. Vern heard the police scrambling for their shotguns and demanded they come out. When the police didn't respond, he fired into the bedroom. Oh,
1: damn.
0: He then sent Ellen into the bedroom to bring the police out, but they held her in the room. Right. So at that point, they left the hut with Mrs. Barry and went to collect kindling, and then they loudly threatened to burn the people alive who were inside. And they sent mrs barry back inside where the police detained her in the bedroom after they failed to set fire to the building they stayed outside yelling threats at the occupants for about two hours before they rode away oh damn so this definitely paints the kelly gang in like a less romantic light i would say
1: yeah that's some brutal stuff going on there that's
0: really grim especially because they know that women are there and pregnant women and then they're just kind of ignoring that kind of romantical view they're not
1: being chivalrous
0: possibly this is because it's Dan and Byrne instead of being something that Ned Kelly is directly involved with
1: yeah it could be but who knows Mm. so if Ned were there he'd be like guys this would be a PR disaster (laughs) it
0: really is (laughs) the the gang knew that the police inside the hut would obviously report on what had just happened makes sense And then a police train would be sent up from Melbourne. And they also made the correct assumption that the police train would stop at Benalla to pick up reinforcements before it headed through another town called Glenrowan. Okay. So they planned to use this as an opportunity. They thought, we can wreck the train, shoot any survivors dead. Right. And then we can ride to Benalla, which will now have no police presence they'll all have got on the train. Right, Yeah. And then we can rob the bank, set fire to the courthouse, blow up the police barracks, <laughs> and release all the prisoners. Wow. And then we'll return to the bush. <laughs> okay. That's oh, their just, goal. Just
1: a light afternoon's work. <laughs>
0: yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think at this point they're like, we got to go all in. Yeah. Because it's been a while since they've done a bank robbery. Yeah. Um, you, you might gotta, as well. You,
1: yeah, you got to keep yourself on the headlines of the newspapers.
0: I guess so. Yeah. So that's the plan. And I guess at this point, like... Maybe Ned Kelly is getting more into his own vision of himself as yeah. sort of this hero of the people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because this seems more hero of the people than just robbing banks, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, they damaged the track to ensure that the train would fall off it and then yeah. they'd be able to kill any survivors. Okay. And then they took over Glenrowan, same way they've done before. Mm-hmm. They used one of the town's hotels to keep their hostages in. Yep. While the other one held their horses and their equipment. Yeah. But, and they assumed that it would be there by Sunday afternoon. The train. The train. Right. And they'd hear it because, you know, it would topple yeah. over. Yeah. It, it's going to be loud. <laughs> but by Sunday afternoon, the train hadn't yet arrived. Okay. And at this point, the Kelly gang had 62 hostages. Right. So they tried. To- oh, we brought
1: too many hostages. Uh, this is their problem,
0: I think. They do keep getting too many hostages, yeah. and this is partly because, obviously, some of them are their sympathisers that they've planted among yeah. the crowd.
1: To imagine it's like at this point, it's ninety-five percent of the hostages are Kelly gang sympathisers.
0: Could well be. Honestly, we've got no way of knowing.
1: The people who are in the town beforehand are like, "Why are there so many more people here at the moment?"
0: <laughs> it's like a Ned Kelly convention. Everyone's yeah. wearing like. <laughs> Everyone's wearing their their hats with the strap under yeah. their noses and they're wearing the big heels. <laughs> and also their coats with the top button done up and none of the others, which seems to be a, a, a fashion statement for them as well. Okay, Don't fair enough, why. yeah. So, what are all
1: these cosplayers doing here? <laughs>
0: The gang decided they were going to try and keep the hostages happy. So they got them some drinks. Right. They organized some music, some dancing, some games. (laughs) They played a part of it.
1: Just had a big old party. They had a
0: party. And by Sunday evening, Ned reckoned that 21 of the hostages were probably fine and weren't going to peach on them. So he let them go. Okay. Now, about... 10pm, Ned and Byrne managed to capture the only constable in Glenrowan, right. whose name was Hugh Bracken.
1: Who was wandering around going, where is everyone? Where is everyone? <laughs> the and why, whole
0: of this town's gone missing.
1: And why is there sound of a party coming from over there?
0: <laughs> so they got help from one of their hostages, who was called Thomas Kerno, who was a right. local sc- schoolmaster. Yeah. So he basically helped them to lure this constable so he could become another hostage.
1: Yeah, makes sense. So
0: at that point, Ned told the schoolmaster and his wife, you know, you can go back home. Yeah. But he warned them, go quietly to bed and not dream too loud. Ah, very cool. Very cool. Their home was close to the railway tracks. Right. And Curnow was not a sympathiser. Oh, no. He had helped to kidnap this um, constable in order to get on Ned Kelly's right, good side yeah, and trick him.
1: Yeah.
0: So when the train finally apro- approached Glenrowan at 2.30 on Monday morning. Oh,
1: wow. I
0: know. He signaled it to stop. Yeah. And warned the driver of the danger on the tracks ahead. Right. And that he couldn't proceed anymore. Yeah. So none of the police who were sent died.
1: Yeah.
0: And at this point, The Kelly gang became aware that they were surrounded by police. Yeah. And they did the thing that makes them most famous of all.
1: They turned some curtains into a dress so that they could go and ask Clark Gable for money.
0: You're so close.
1: Ah, okay. What did they do?
0: They put on their armour. Yay! So... There is a whole separate Wikipedia article about their armour.
1: Okay, yeah, makes sense. It's called
0: Armour of the Ned Kelly Game. <laughs> so I did a bit of a deep dive into the armour because it's very Excellent. cool. Yeah. It was made from plough mould boards. Right. And these had been beaten into shape. Apparently it would have taken them about four to five
1: months to do this. Ooh. Um, because... So th- this isn't just a like we found lots of pans lying around. No, decided. like they-, they planned to make armor.
0: They planned to make
1: armor, okay. and apparently they've
0: been planning it for a long time. Not necessarily for this specific like heist. Yeah. Um, but just because they knew that they might get into a police shootout, mm. and they thought, why not have armor? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So they had either been donated these mold boards off of plows from, mm-hmm. like, their sympathizers, or they might have stolen some of them. Yeah. And they probably made them themselves in a crude forge in the bush somewhere. Yeah. Which is why it would have taken them so long.
1: Yeah, that makes sense too.
0: Also, because each piece was six millimeters thick.
1: Oh, that is quite thick.
0: It was really thick.
1: Yeah, that would have been heavy.
0: It was really heavy. <laughs> so apparently, like, they they started making these and they were like, I'm not sure this is going to be a good plan," <laughs> <laughs> Which is... This is one of the reasons why people don't tend to wear armor against bullets. Yeah. Uh, because in order for it to be effective, it is going to have to be six millimeters thick yeah. and very, very heavy.
1: Yeah.
0: So there's some question about where they got the idea to do this in the first place, because right. no one did this. No. Like, this is pretty unique. Yeah. Um, the answer I like the most is that it might have been inspired by a time in Seventy three, when they'd seen a carnival procession, okay. which included some Chinese armor.
1: Okay.
0: And apparently, this was just a thing. I think I'm thinking. I think they're thinking about like, um, you know, like the dragon proce- procession. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you think about like traditional Chinese style armor, it's right. that kind of thick plates. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Armor,
0: but it's kind of it's very. Uh, What's the word I'm thinking about? It's very rounded. Yeah. Very much like the armor that they could make. Yeah. Rather than being like knights in shining armor. Yeah, yeah. Um, Incidentally, Byrne had grown up near Chinese camps on the gold fields and was very likely fluent in Cantonese oh. as a result of this. Okay. And they also had a network of Chinese sympathizers. Oh, amazing. They might have been able to, you know, help them out with yeah. designs and things like that, which is so cool. Yeah. Again... Not featured in the film we watched.
1: Mm, the dreadful film.
0: Because Chinese people are never included in that, that style of film. No. And I just I just don't know why. No. Usually you get them for like five seconds in the background of something, and then people go, There weren't any Chinese people in Australia in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> and it's like Australia's really close to China.
1: Yeah. Like, what do you want? <laughs> no, they are all white Anglo-Saxon Protestants.
0: Alternatively this armour might have been inspired by Ned Kelly's favourite book Yeah Lorna Dune, which is a novel by R.D. Blackmore Okay I'm not really familiar So it's basically just a romance that's set in like the 17th century Right And it's English and I think it involves a lot of armour Okay it's like It's like historical fiction almost it was set like the century before Yeah so I think he was like he was very taken by all of this like very romantic idea. Right. It's set yeah. on Exmoor, so I imagine there's like outlaws in it. Yeah. You know, you know the vibe. I, I
1: get what you mean. Yeah.
0: Jamaica in of its time. Yeah. I reckon. <laughs> um. So I'm going to show you the picture of the armor. I know you have seen it before, but it's still cool.
1: It is very cool. Like it, it's it. The look of it is kind of shoddy, but in a way that is... It is still cool. I mean, I, I I can't think of another word for it. Like, it doesn't. It is not. It's definitely not like knight in shining armor thing. But it's yeah. kind of Mad maxi.
0: I'm gonna say it makes me think, and this is gonna sound really bad towards the Kellys, but I don't mean it that way. It makes me think of that knight, the Black Knight in um, Monty Python oh and the God, Holy Grail. Yeah, like yeah. it's that design. Yeah,
1: before it's painted or anything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely except it's got
0: rivets on it. Yeah, because it's actually a modern piece of armor. Yeah. So, this is where we get into the police shootout. Okay. And the four bushrangers come out onto the veranda of the hotel.
1: Iron Man starts playing.
0: Basically. (laughs) There was a 15-minute shootout with the police.
1: Whoa, okay. And during
0: this time, 100 to 150 shots were fired. Wow. (laughs) Which is mad. Yeah. And it's especially a bit of a problem um, because the walls of the hotel were not super thick
1: oh no oh there's poor hostages
0: two of the hostages were shot and killed through the walls oh my god yeah
1: yeah like a
0: few more of them were injured yeah apparently there was one young girl who like had a bullet pass very close by her, like or she got shot in the head but it didn't actually hurt her it just sort of her. grazed her yeah, and yeah. um so, yeah, so two of the hostages died this way. Um one of them was only 13 years old. Oof. And he was called John Jones, and Ooh. then there was another called Martin Cherry. Right. And um, and also three of the Kelly gang were wounded. Right. Including Ned at this point. Despite the armor? Despite the armor because um they didn't they chose not to cover their legs because it would have been far too yeah. far too much. Yeah. And it would have been way too heavy to move around. Which yeah. is a sensible thing, oh, but absolutely. it did mean they could get shot in the yeah. legs. And also, like, although the bullets never managed to pass through Ned Kelly's armour, um, he did get severely bruised wherever they hit, especially yeah. on his helmet.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like bulletproof armour today. Like, you're still getting a big old bruise there oh
0: yeah you're still getting bruised you're just not necessarily having a bullet inside you which is I guess the goal at this point (laughs) yeah so uh, Ned retreated behind the hotel into the bush Mm -hmm. Uh, he was bleeding a lot from his leg and he basically collapsed for a while and hid for, for a bit and then the others all retreated into the bar and then at dawn Ned Kelly emerged from the bush With twin machine guns (laughs) Okay People thought he looked like an absolute sight Right Because it was 7 o'clock in the morning the sun was starting to rise, but so was the mist. Right. So you've got this man in full plate armor in this bizarre suit of armor, right? Yeah. Coming out of the bush, guns blazing. <laughs> and people were like, what the hell is that?
1: It's a cryptid and it's armed.
0: Like, I guess they, they probably wouldn't have seen what the plate armor looked like yeah. the night before. So people thought he might have been a ghost or a bunyip.
1: Yep, okay. As in
0: the Australian mythical beast. Yeah,
1: like I said, cryptid, but armed. Cryptid.
0: um Journalist Tom Carrington wrote, With the steam rising from the ground, it looked for all the world like the ghost of Hamlet's father, with no head, only a very long, thick neck. <laughs> it was the most extraordinary sight I ever saw or read of in my life, and I felt fairly spellbound with wonder, and I could not stir or speak.
1: And then I was shot.
0: And then I was <laughs> shot. So there was another gun battle. Yep. And eventually, Ned lost this when he was shot in the leg.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Um, he was later found to have had more than 28 wounds. Oof. And this included serious gunshot wounds to his left elbow and right foot, right. multiple less serious gunshot wounds, and cuts and abrasions from the armor. Bloody hell. <laughs> right? There's I a mean, lot going
1: on. It's impressive, I'll say that.
0: Yeah. He's, he's an absolute behemoth, I've got yeah. to say. He just keeps going. So, we know that um burn died slightly before ned kelly did right because they shot through into the bar yeah and where he was giving a toast to the kelly gang at this point <laughs> and there was a gap between the armor and his groin right so he got shot in the groin fatally Oof. and died which is uh, horrible yeah but aside from that they're basically waiting the police are waiting outside yeah um until 2.50 in the afternoon. Right. Because they're convinced that the remaining two members of the Kelly gang are still in there. Yeah. And at this point, they went sod it, and they set fire to the inn. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah,
0: they had got out the um, the other survivors by this point. Oh, okay. The, the, yeah, the they, ha- they didn't leave the hostages yeah. in there. Um. There was a Catholic priest called Matthew Gibney who was really worried there might be others left in there. Yeah. So he entered the burning building. Oh, my God. Because he's a super cool Catholic priest. That's so cool. That's awesome. And he was trying to rescue anyone who was inside. And this is when he discovered the bodies of Byrne, Dan, Kelly, and Hart. They were already dead. Oh, right. But we do not know how Dan Kelly and Hart died.
1: Oh, very interesting. Right? Do we know what wounds they had?
0: I don't know. And the thing is that they left the bodies in there, so they were burned. (gasps) Oh, no. So they found the burned remains, but, you know, you couldn't necessarily... You couldn't
1: see a gunshot wound in them or... Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's it's sort of believed that it might have been a sort of suicide pact. They might have realised, you know, there's no way out of this. Yeah. So, this means that the only member of the gang left alive... Was Ned Kelly. And he stood trial on the 19th of October, 1880. And interestingly, he was only charged with the murders of Constables Lonergan and
1: Scanlon. Right. Okay. Not
0: with anything that had happened afterwards. Yeah.
1: Okay. Was it like... This is the only thing we really have evidence for because we couldn't be asked to investigate and I have
0: else. no idea. Like presumably the police shootout would have been yeah. very obvious. Okay, yeah. But never mind, never mind. I guess they definitely couldn't get anything about um that guy Aaron from earlier because that wasn't yeah. him. So this is what we got.
1: But also, isn't he an outlaw at this point? Like why do they need a trial?
0: That's a very good point. I guess the thing is, uh, at this point, there was a lot of public interest.
1: Oh, okay. So they, they want to kind of go through it and, you know, prove that he's a wrong one. Yes. Yeah. Like,
0: there had been a public meeting held at the Hippodrome in Melbourne, directly after Ned was captured, yeah. which sought that the life of Ned Kelly be spared... Um, there was a petition for reprieve which was organised, published widely and then presented to the governor with over 30,000 signatures
1: on
0: it. And the actual numbers of signatures reported varies from 30,000 to 60,000. Right, yeah. That's that's an awful lot of people, especially for Australia in the 1880s. Yeah,
1: that's most of Australia.
0: (laughs) So yeah, people were very interested in this case, including people who had nothing to do with Ned Kelly. So... In the end, they actually only charged Ned Kelly with the murder of Scanlon, not mm. Lonigan. Oh, okay. Um, I think just because they couldn't be bothered. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and eventually they got him on petty theft.
0: <laughs> he was convicted yeah. and he was sentenced to death by hanging. Mm-hmm. Now, after he handed down the sentence, the judge, who was Sir Redmond Barry, incidentally, this was the same judge who'd sentenced Kelly's mother to hard labour. Oh. So we don't like him. no. He concluded with the customary words, May God have mercy on your soul. To which Kelly replied, I will go a little further than that and say I will see you there where I go.
1: Yay! Excellent. Very good.
0: So, he was hanged at the old Melbourne jail on the 11th of November, 1880. And which I think is really sweet he had a photograph taken the day before as a keepsake for his family which is the main picture of him that's available on his Wikipedia article and he looks
1: stunning Oh what a handsome gentleman.
0: It's he's, like you can see that he's wearing prison clothes. Yeah. But at the same time he looks incredible.
1: Yeah, he's got it's an he's interesting got hair look, gel in. Yeah, he's got like big old shaggy beard but really coiffured hair. Yeah,
0: this seems to have been the thing like a lot of members of his gang and his supporters seem to have had like that specific hairdo which I yeah. swear was really popular like 2 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: kind of was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like short, back and sides, but then you keep the front the middle bit long and then you like scoop yeah, sort of it a up. quiff. Yeah, yeah. A quiff. Um so yeah, he's an interesting character, Ned Kelly, yeah. I think. Um if only because of the fact that he is so well known. Mm. And he did actually manage to make some changes. So there was a sort of check in on how the police were behaving yeah. immediately after this. Um, and a few different changes were made to stop the police being quite so awful. Yeah, and then additionally, the judge who he said he'd see in hell soon. yeah, died a few months later. Oh, what? amazing.
1: <laughs> Ned Kelly had the power to curse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to that time when.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at that time when four and suggest any episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com.
0: Thank you as always to Kevin Cloud for our theme song Anachronist as well as any other music Barnaby's used in the podcast.
1: And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels and armor up those legs. Bye.